You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. This is NSPS Radio Hour again today. And with me, I have John Palatiello. Welcome, John. Thank you, Kurt. Pleasure to be with I, you. I think most of our listeners will recognize John's name. John is the owner of uh, John M. Palatiello and Associates, um, and government consulting firm. I don't know if that's the right terminology. From the NSPS perspective, it is, because as a lot of the members know, John started the old ACSM program years ago and, and has his own business now and, and has come back on the last couple of years working with us. And too much success, I might add, John, and I, I don't think I tell you that often enough, frankly, um, that we're so pleased that, that you guys are working with us. We see tremendous results. And it's it's great for me. I was just in New Hampshire this past weekend and talking with their group. And like a lot of other societies, they have their financial issues. And when they think of those, you know, what finances they got to come up with, they start thinking about things they, they can and can't do. Um, so it was really great for me to be able to say this is one part of what we're doing that that's making a really big difference now. And so uh, I really appreciate all you guys do. Well, thank you. It's... Uh... It's a pleasure to uh, work with NSPS, and um, we've had a good year, and I think we've made progress on uh, major issues that affect... uh, ...serve their clients better, and um, that's what the program's all about, and uh, just keep moving the ball down the field. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch the way I turn my head with our antiquated phone system. I lost you there for a few seconds, and I thought I'd gone off the air, but but uh, at least you're still there. That's the main thing that matters. Um, but, you know, as we get into this, I know we got a lot to talk about today, but I, I was just thinking maybe it might be a good idea just to recap the different levels of activity. I mean, from my perspective, we have legislative issues, we have regulatory issues, and we have agency interaction, and maybe it's broader than that, but... Maybe you could just talk about that a little bit and how those things work together and how they may be different. Well, as uh, as you know, Kurt, from your high school civics class, uh, Congress makes the laws, and then it's the responsibility of the executive branch of our government to implement the laws. So you have uh, legislation, which we um, get involved in on behalf of NSPS, and um, we work with the Joint Government Affairs Committee of NSPS to develop a legislative agenda and uh, get feedback on what our policies and priorities should be. And we try to uh, affect legislation in a way that is favorable to surveyors and and their clients and the public that surveyors serve. And then once a, um, a bill becomes a law, the agencies then um, are responsible for implementing the law, and they do that with policies and regulations. And again, we try to make sure that um, those are are implemented in a in a manner that's consistent with the law and uh, again favorable to surveyors and their clients. And we do that um, uh, for and with NSPS at the federal level. But as you know, Kurt, we're also available to provide uh, guidance and consultation and. For whatever our uh, opinion or input is worth, we are happy to uh, provide that to any of the state uh, societies as they're dealing with issues. And sometimes there is a relationship between state policy and legislation 
and federal policy and, and legislation. We need to make sure that we speak with one voice, and so we're happy to coordinate those activities as well. So that's that's sort of the overview of um, of the NSPS government affairs program and the role that we play in, in support of that program. And, of course, uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about our, our upcoming meeting that's going to occur in the spring on which we'll do our annual uh, Capitol Hill Day, of course, and they want to talk about that just a little bit going in. Uh, yes. Uh, based on the success that we had uh, earlier this year, in April of this year, uh, NSPS and MAPS will be hosting a national surveying, mapping, and geospatial conference the week of March uh, 13th, uh, Sunday, March 13th is the, I guess, the day most folks will arrive. And I don't remember exactly when the student competition is, whether we're doing that on Sunday or Monday this year. But um, but the the main conference will begin on Monday, the 14th of March. Um, we will have um, presentations and papers throughout uh, on Tuesday, the 15th. Um, MAPS hosts an annual federal programs conference, which is briefings by agencies on what their program and budgets and upcoming contracts and requirements are. So it's a it's a market overview for um, for surveyors and folks from mapping and geospatial firms. On um, <clears throat> and then uh, refresh my memory, occurred uh, on that same day. NSPS will be hosting, I know we're doing two things, a mock trial, and we're doing a workshop on the new ALTA standards, and I don't recall off the top of my head which is on which day. Do you remember which is on Tuesday? Yeah, we set it up. Um, by the way, the student competition is on Monday, the 14th. Okay. And right. we set it up to have the mock trial on Tuesday because the students typically will stay over that first day, and, and then we'll usually announce the winner at a at some sort of an event on on Tuesday perhaps right. and and then we thought perhaps the mock trial would be of greater interest to the students um uh, as well as other folks attending um than perhaps the unrolling of the 2016 uh ALTA NSPS standards so we're doing the mock trial Wednesday and we're doing the uh NSPS or ACS ALTA NSPS standards on Wednesday, although that is also Capitol Hill Day. Right. We so, think. So, a, a, I was going to say we think a fair amount of our attendance for the workshops, particularly the LTA one, are probably going to be a lot of local surveyors who will drive in and not necessarily be our typical attendee who would you know come in f for the whole meetings otherwise. Right. So on Tuesday the fifteenth, we have the federal agency briefings and the mock trial. On Wednesday the 16th, we have the um, day on Capitol Hill, our lobby day, um, and that will, and then back at the hotel will be the workshop on the uh, ALTA standards. And Great. then on Thursday the 17th will be primarily um, NSPS committees, and then the board meets on Friday the 18th. Correct. Uh, so that's all at the um, Crystal City Hilton, um, same place we were this year. And we're going to build on the success of what we accomplished uh, this year and have a bigger and better program in 2016. And speaking of building on things, uh, I know the the strategies we used and the process that we, we used last year for orchestrating Capitol Hill Day worked out well. I think for the most part everybody was happy with those, and I can see that 
being able to build on that success from last year and making that even stronger this year, too. Uh, we learned a lot from doing it jointly between MAPS and NSPS uh, this year, and we will implement some other changes. I know some of the state societies wanted more of a role in, in working with my staff in setting up the appointments with the congressional delegations, and we're certainly going to, we welcome that, and are certainly gonna, going to accommodate that. So um, uh, we will see some improvements and some efficiencies in the program, so we hope to make it uh, bigger and better, and we invite everyone in NSPS to, to come to Washington for this conference. Um, it's not the traditional NSPS leadership conference. It's open to all members of NSPS, and, and we encourage everyone to come and um, network with their peers. Uh, we'll provide some continuing education that will be different than what is offered by the state societies because we don't want to compete with them. Um, and it's a chance for surveyors' voice to be heard uh, in the halls of Congress, and that is uh, not only important but a very, very effective activity. Yeah, I agree. And and as you said, I think it's going to offer a lot of opportunities for people to come and see and hear things that they're not going to hear and see otherwise, whether or not they're continuing education courses or, as you said, with the briefings and those type of things. Those aren't the things people are going to necessarily see unless they come to a conference like ours. So I think that's that's a, a big reason to be there. Absolutely. That's the goal, uh, to provide something different, not compete with the state societies, and provide surveyors a, a good, effective voice in Washington. And you were saying earlier um, that we'd had a good year and a busy year and moving forward into the next year, so maybe it'd be good to, to be just have some conversation about some of the topics that we've covered. We can spend as much time on those as we want uh, through our our uh, upcoming segments of the show. Uh, so I don't know if you want to sort of outline them ahead or just start in on one, and then we'll just go uh, down, the, down the line. Well, why don't we focus on the four issues that NSPS members, along with their colleagues in MAPS, uh, brought to Capitol Hill in April of this year because we've seen great progress on all four of them. Um, the first one is the um, the three depth program at USGS. Uh, excuse me a moment. I'm fighting off a little bit of a cough, so I apologize. That's okay. um, that time of the year for that. But anyway, the first issue that we had uh, on our day on the hill or lobby day was the three depth program, the three dimensional elevation program that USGS is developing and and getting off the ground. And um, we had great success in educating Congress and uh, trying to secure as much funding as possible for that program. And um, we did get uh, some language in the, um, in the Senate appropriations bill that, um, uh, that put in $3 million overall for, for three DEP activities, uh, half a million for coastal LIDAR, and $1.3 million for the Alaska mapping program. So that was a great success. Um, the second thing that we worked on was um, a location data for underground utilities. And we're going to see further progress on that yet this week when the Senate Commerce Committee takes up um, a pipeline safety bill. And uh, that bill has a significant number of provisions 
that uh, NSPS advocated. And um, some of them don't go as far as we would like. There are some study provisions and some reports to be done about the um, technologies and capabilities that the surveying and mapping community can bring to enhanced underground utility location. But, um, but that bill is great progress over what would have been in the legislation had NSPS not uh, advocated for this. The third is the FLARE Act, the Federal Land Inventory Reform Act, and we are delighted that um, while we didn't get everything we wanted, probably 80% of the content of the FLARE Act is now in an overall energy bill that has been approved on a bipartisan basis by the Senate uh, Energy and Natural Resources Committee, and that bill will be going to the floor of the Senate in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, so that will provide for a current accurate We're going to need to take our, our first break, uh, John. I'm sorry. Okay. We're, we're a few seconds away, so let's take that break. We'll come back and pick up on that topic. All righty. Very good. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800 438 or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we went to break, John, you were talking or began to talk about the, the provisions of the Flare Act and and some of the some of the activities that we were involved in in uh, in getting it orchestrated. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about uh, the four issues that NSPS members advocated uh, on Capitol Hill back on uh, April fifteenth when we had our lobby day, and um, we mentioned the three debt program at USGS, and we've been successful in getting appropriations for that. Um, underground utilities, there is legislation in both the House and Senate that have been introduced, and the Senate bill will be marked up in committee uh, on Wednesday of this week. Uh, we were discussing the Flare Act, of federal land inventory, and that has been included in the Senate Energy Bill, 
uh, and will come to the floor of the Senate in the coming weeks. And the fourth was the um, um, the issue of defining uh, roles and responsibilities of government and the private sector and to make sure that the government is doing things that only the government can do and not competing with uh, with private enterprise. And uh, on the uh, legislation uh, to that regard, uh, it has been introduced in both the House and Senate. Um, we have added co-sponsors to those bills uh, as a result of the advocacy by NSPS, and um, we understand that there may be some action on the bill in the House in, uh, within the next month or two as well. So we have seen substantial progress on um, on all of the bills that uh, that NSPS members discussed with their congressional delegation when they were uh, on Capitol Hill in April of uh, 2015. You were when you were talking about the the three dip program before and explaining a little bit about what that was about. Uh, I don't know if you want to expound any at all on the the actual benefits that work their way to the everyday practicing surveyor that comes from that. Because the reason I bring that up is sometimes people hear us talk about these bills that sound as though they are, are federal government things only, but they do have impact uh, all the way down the line. Oh, they absolutely have impact. Number one, it is a business opportunity for a great number of firms. The uh, USGS uh, contracts out for all of the LIDAR data acquisition for that program, and there are... Um, Oh, a half dozen or so firms that are prime contractors, and each of them have quite a number of uh, other firms on their teams, including small businesses. So there are probably uh, over 120 or 130 firms, uh, surveying and mapping firms across the country that are involved in that program. So just for the, excuse me, <coughs> the acquisition of that data, um, that's a benefit um, to the membership. The goal of 3DEP is to have a consistent data set of uh, elevation data uh, from LIDAR uh, for the country. And um, on any number of projects that um, surveyors are working on, um, whether it's uh, flood studies or uh, when data needed for stormwater management, uh, uh, runoff, um, agriculture, um, airport surveys, uh, there's a whole list. In fact, the USGS did um, an assessment and looked at all of the different applications of this data and actually did a cost-benefit analysis and a very, very thorough um, assessment. Um, it, it was called a NEA report, N-E-E-A, National Enhanced elevation assessment and that documented all of the applications and benefits of a national elevation program and the application and use of that data primarily by the surveying community and and it seems to me in, in that particular one it has the, the potential capabilities and, and this is my terminology not anybody else's to be sort of an overarching kind of thing where it seems as though for all the years we've been involved in this kind of thing, there's so much piecemeal work that goes on in the federal government and other government, too, for that matter, uh, in terms of data gathering and where it's housed and 
who it who it serves and who it benefits. And it, to me, three depth looks as though it's one of those things that encompasses a, a lot of different activities that can be used by a lot of different people. Am I am I reading that correctly? You're absolutely correct. Um, I think the USGS deserves a lot of credit for the way they have approached the three-debt program. It is a strategic and comprehensive approach. They are partnering with other agencies. They are coordinating with state and local government, and they're including the private sector. So it is a much more strategic and comprehensive approach to a national data set than, um, than we've seen in a lot of other programs. Um, maybe second only to the geodetic program at NGS. If you remember, Kurt, earlier this year, NSPS was part of an effort by COGO, the Coalition of Geospatial Organizations, of which NSPS is a member. And COGO did a report card on the National Spatial Data Infrastructure, or NSDI, which is a program that started when Bill Clinton was president to try to come up with some seven, frame, start with seven framework layers of data um, where there's a national need. And COGO did a report card modeled after what the American Society of Civil Engineers, ASCE, does with their infrastructure report card. And so the COGO group came up with a grade for each of the framework layers, elevation, orthoimagery, cadastral, geodetic, um, hydrography, uh, and hydrology. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget some uh, ad, ad, uh, transportation and then administrative uh, units. So those are the seven framework layers. And um, this is an effort to to bring up the level, have an actual national program of current, consistent um, uh, data uh, that's accessible and at a scale that is usable to the greatest number of of users and, and applications. So, um, yes, you're absolutely right. The USGS has, um, they're including other federal agencies uh, uh, and being very comprehensive. Let me, let me tell you why this came about and, and why it's a, it's a great um, uh, effort that they're putting forward. The, um, the Congress has been looking at the FEMA flood program um, as, as our listeners and our members know that the federal government is uh, in the hole about $25 billion in losses from flood insurance because of Katrina uh, and some of the uh, Sandy and some of the other catastrophic events that we've experienced in our nation over the last several years. And so Congress has been looking for ways to um, reduce the losses in that program, and they recognize that good, accurate flood mapping is essential. Well, Congress realized that while flood mapping and elevation data is critical, the FEMA program is not the only federal program that uses elevation data. And so um, rather than trying to fund the entirety of our elevation requirements through FEMA, uh, Congress in its wisdom, and I think they were right about this personally, is we should share the the expense and spread the uh, the expense of this program among a variety of agencies that need this data as well. So not just FEMA, but USGS, Corps of Engineers, NOAA, uh, Department of Agriculture, and, and many others, uh, transportation, uh, many others. 
And so USGS is coordinating that and getting contributions of cash from these other agencies and providing the data back to the agencies in a consistent uh, manner. So you're absolutely right that um, this is good government and the USGS ought to be saluted for the way that they're approaching this. Yeah, I was kind of looking at that from two perspectives, actually. One is from an overall cost perspective. It seems more cost-effective to do things this way than to have the various agencies deciding they're all going to do their their own work. Um, And then just from the availability of data, it seems um, an easier step for the practitioners who are looking to to utilize this data. It seems as though it's uh, going to be more easily accessible, or at least from my perspective, I think it will be. Yes, uh, you're right on both of those counts. On the first one, you eliminate the duplication and you actually save money because you get an economy of scale with the data acquisition. Um, you know, the more money that's in the program, the more agencies that are participating, the, the, the cost of the LIDAR acquisition comes down if you can do a larger area at one time. And then from a user standpoint, to be able to put this data into one place and make it accessible, um, there's certainly efficiency for the surveyor that is looking for that data uh, as an end user. Yeah, that's true. And and on the on the FEMA data side, of course, that's an issue that surveyors deal with all the time. And and battles, I guess, is maybe not the right word, but of course, you know, the, uh, FEMA has its uh, technical mapping advisory council, and and Wendy Lathrop sits on that for us, and we get a lot of good information back from her. Um, as a matter of fact, I just was speaking recently with the, pay, the people over at the uh, uh, the floodplain managers group. Uh, there's a, an idea of working with them in the state of North Carolina to perhaps reinstitute and spread our, our certified survey, uh, federal survey program um, beyond North Carolina again. We looked at that before and it kind of got shot down, but there may be an opportunity to do that. Um, again, there's a lot of work for surveyors in, in that arena as well. I don't know how, how this new data will impact that. Hopefully the information's better, but, but there's still, still opportunities there, I think. Well, USGS is part, partnering with the state of North Carolina. The USGS has on their website a status map of 3DEP, and they have it color-coded based on the, you know, the status of the data that's been acquired. And you will see that um, North Carolina probably has the most robust program, not only from a state perspective, but from a USGS perspective, and you can see on that color coding how how current and complete North Carolina is. So that's that's one of the real success stories under 3DEP. Um, and again, the partnership between the federal government and the state of North Carolina. Yeah, I think it's probably a good example of what made 3DEP um, uh, of interest to people to look at this other way of doing things because North Carolina did what they did because I think it was Hurricane Floyd that caused all the problems. It was Hurricane Floyd. The data they had just wasn't sufficient, so they realized they needed to do something and got very aggressive. And, of course, our friend Gary Thompson was a part of that, as well as a lot of other people. But um, it it sets a good model, I think. And the North Carolina program um, has become a model. For example, under the old way that FEMA did business, they would do the flood mapping on a county-by-county basis. Well, um, last time I checked, floods don't honor county lines. 
And what <laughs> by the North way, John, before you go too far, we only got about 20 seconds left before our before our break. So I, I don't want to continue this conversation on this because this is very true and very uh, very important for people to know. So we are uh, well, let's just go ahead and take that break, and we'll come back and pick up right where we left off. Attention, surveyors! Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Getting into underground utility location? If so, you'll want to know about the Schoenstatt Instrument Company's MPC kit, a multi-purpose combo for locating both ferrous objects and underground pipes and cables. And because it consists of two instruments in one package, it qualifies for trade-in allowances on two locators. Any kind, any make, any condition. Contact your dealer for details or visit www.shonstat.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. I don't want to belabor that point, John, on the whole issue and the model that's set in North Carolina, but at, but when we were going to break, you were making the point that floods don't honor county or state boundaries or any other kind of boundaries, and and I thought that yes. was a really good point tonight. Well, the the it. it, it the issue is this, Kurt. So North Carolina got a waiver from um, the normal FEMA rules. And when they did their first um, update to all of their flood mapping after Hurricane Floyd and did a LIDAR program, they were able to do the flood maps on a watershed basis. Well, a lot of folks in the private sector, and uh, I know NSPS had some input, uh, MAPS had a task force, and there were recommendations from the surveying and mapping profession that went back to Congress and to FEMA um, on how to improve the program. And one of them was to start doing the flood maps on a watershed basis rather than on a county basis. So that's now um, the new FEMA standard. And I bring all of that up only to say that Congress is still looking at this program, despite the, that legislation that made that change. That was known as Bigger Waters, names after the uh, the two uh, actually Congress women that wrote that FEMA reform bill. Um, Congress is revisiting that again already, and um, 
they have asked uh, John Byrd, our, our lobbyist, a uh, fellow in my firm who is the registered lobbyist for NSPS, and he's actually our boots-on-the-ground guy who's on Capitol Hill every day on behalf of NSPS. He has been asked by several members of Congress uh, for further recommendations. So the NSPS Government Affairs Committee and, and MAPS is putting together a task force. This is an opportunity for our profession Apart from what FEMA is hearing from the Technical um, uh, Mapping Advisory Council that was reestablished under that Bigger Waters Act. So in addition to those recommendations, the Congress is asking NSPS and MAPS for their recommendations on how we can further Im improve the FEMA flood mapping program. So that's a challenge out there. Our Government Affairs Committee will be looking at that, but... Uh, any of our members who have ideas on how to make that FEMA program work better uh, should let us know, and we can feed that back into the Congress and, and hopefully have success again in helping the Congress develop good legislation for the benefit of the country. That's very true. I want to f follow up some on some particularly on the, the location data for underground utilities because that's something that's always been of interest to surveyors, as you know, um, trying to, to get things marked and marked as, as well as, as possible. And, and I don't want to forget that. But I also want to talk about the, the one of the things that we've been working on for a really long time now. And, and I was going to ask you later about elections and how important elections are and made these two things kind of come together based on our experiences here. But we just recently got uh, another piece of feedback on our continuing uh, saga with the Davis-Bacon Act and provisions that were changes that were made uh, a while back, as most of our members know, without any contact with, with folks like us. So maybe you could follow up on that a little bit and let people know where that stands. Well, just late last week, uh, the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, Wage and Hour Division, uh, sent... Uh, a reply to NSPS um, a year after we provided further input and some suggested revisions to their um, new policy. And um, the response from the Labor Department is an attempt to further clarify um, what surveying activities, what activities of members of survey crews uh, constitute uh, physical and manual labor and the work of a laborer or mechanic and therefore subject to these prevailing wage uh, requirements on any federal contract or state or local contract where there's federal funds. Now we're still going through um, and analyzing uh, what the Labor Department came back with they uh, did not adopt all of the recommendations that NSPS made, but uh, my own reading of it is that they um, they did further clarify, and I think the um, services that are subject to that act uh, under that clarification are now much narrower. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The... Um, the letter included a uh, sort of a frequently asked questions Q&A, which is helpful. Uh, I would recommend that NSPS go back to the Labor Department and, and 
suggest that rather than having the law, the regulation, a memorandum, and now a Q&A, that this all be put together into one policy. And the clarifications in that Q&A, I believe, should go into the all-agency memorandum that originally changed the policy. Um, but uh, the the revision basically um, actually made a, um, a recommendation with regard to certain data collection activities that they view as more... Uh, intellectual in nature rather than physical and manual. Um, they recognize the judgment that's involved in that. And then they also talked about people in clerical positions being exempt. And I, I don't understand uh, myself how you can say a clerical position is exempt from Davis-Bacon, but a member of a survey crew is not. So I, I think the... Um, the most recent letter is helpful. Um, we will make it available to the members of NSPS on the Society's website. Um, we will continue to analyze it, and we will provide a response back to uh, the Labor Department. Hopefully it won't take another year for them to respond to uh, to our feedback, but uh, I, I'm optimistic that we, we're making progress and... Um, you know, I, can I, if I can be political for a moment, this is a very political issue, and um, we just have to weather the storm for another year, and if there is a more favorable administration that's elected in November of 2016, then maybe we can go back to the, the old order and, and the old interpretation of the law, which had been on the books for some 50 years and yeah, was exactly. supported by NSPS. Another thing that, that I hear a lot when I talk to people about this issue, and, and I, I get questions about it every time I go someplace, so obviously people are interested in it. But one of the things that always comes up is, okay, let's say it, if I'm the, the person out there dealing with it uh, in practice, the question that comes back to me is they tell me I'm I'm subject to this, but there's no classification for my workers. How am I supposed to figure that out? And that's that's kind of a part of this whole thing too, right? And in the response that we received from the Labor Department, they addressed that and the efforts that they're making to have a, not only a classification but um, a current prevailing wage rate. Um, so they, they recognize that that's a shortcoming of their process as well, and uh, they seem committed to, uh, to addressing it. What I thought you were going to say, Kurt, that you hear from folks when they bring this up is, why is NSPS opposed to higher wages for members of survey crews? Well, I do hear that, too. <laughs> I do hear that, too. <laughs> you know, and the answer to that is that this is not about higher wages because the data shows that members of survey crews are um, very reasonably and adequately compensated. And what this really is about is two things. One is survey firms are by and large, small businesses in our country and in our economy, and compliance with this law is a very costly and burdensome um, requirement imposed upon our members that are the principals, owners, or partners in their firms. And secondly, um, 
when you look at the intent of the Davis-Bacon Act and the kinds of employees that it is intended to uh, apply to, it is not consistent with the concept of a surveying profession and survey crew members being technicians that are working in support of a licensed professional. On the contrary, the Davis-Bacon Act talks about laborers and mechanics um, and uh, the, even in the... Even in the uh, correspondence we just received from um, the Labor Department, they compared a licensed surveyor to a licensed plumber or electrician. And that not only is offensive, but that shows a certain ignorance on the part of our United States Department of Labor. They don't understand the workforce in America. To make that analogy between a professional licensed surveyor and a licensed plumber is just it's embarrassing, quite frankly, that they would uh, actually put that in writing and, and have that school of thought. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So we obviously we have work to do, but uh, from from what you're saying, we have made some progress in in working toward uh, an agreement that will will work for all of us. We hope. And at a minimum, our voice is now being heard, where the original decision on the part of the Labor Department, they did not consult with us or include us in any of their um, their consultation and decision-making. So we now have a seat at the table. And I don't recall ever getting a, what I thought was a, res, a good response to our inquiries about that in terms of of the fact that the profession you're dealing with wasn't even contacted. Well, again, um, we could talk all day about this issue, but this was a very political decision that was made by the Labor Department. It was uh, what we found out through a Freedom of Information Act request is um, this was a political decision uh, in response to uh, an input and request from a labor union, and that's the long and short of it. So uh, that explains why there was no consultation with us. They knew we would not be happy with this, so they decided to just do it without us. Very, very true. Well, we're we are a minute or so from break, so a couple of things I wanted to talk about, and and while we're on break, maybe you and I'll discuss a couple of others. But getting back to our four issues, I thought it might be worthwhile to talk a little bit about the whole location data for underground utilities. That's always a big issue with surveyors. I mentioned that before, and then perhaps even in the Flare Act, and and provide the audience some information about. How the what's happening in the Flare Act will be beneficial to uh, to the surveying population as well. So maybe we can can pick up on those two things, and then uh, perhaps have even have some time left over uh, to get your uh, your projections on where things are headed down the road. I, I'm sure you already have the whole um, uh, election next year mapped out as to how it ought to go. So we'll we'll get your opinions on what you think the possibilities are of of heading in a direction that uh, will have some impact on, on the way things happen in the country. So let's go to break, and we'll come back in a couple of minutes and close out with our last session. Attention surveyors. Seanstead announces the Maggie the next-generation magnetic locator. 
the Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Shonstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.shonstead.com. Shonstead, the best just got better. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. John, as we were talking in the last segment, we we talked about a lot of different things, uh, even from the very beginning of the show that we've been involved in. Uh, The thing that should be evident, but perhaps isn't, that this all doesn't happen just by happenstance. We have to have a plan, have to set an agenda and going into 2016, we're no different than any other year. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Well, we go through a process, Kurt, to um, make sure that what we, uh, when I say we, mean my, my firm is is doing in representation of NSPS in Congress is um, responsive to uh, the members of NSPS and that... Um, we have a sense of what the priorities are. So the the Joint Government Affairs Committee of NSPS um, uh, develops an agenda and provides us input and feedback, answers questions that we we have. We're sort of the eyes and ears and voice, but uh, we need to make sure that um, we understand uh, priorities and um, and uh, information like that from the membership. So there will be a process uh, over the next uh, several weeks to um, develop the priorities for for 2016. In particular, uh, we go through a process because NSPS goes to Capitol Hill with the members of MAPS. The the two organizations harmonize on a set of four issues that uh, the members will advocate when they go to Congress uh, in March. And uh, that harmonization of issues are things that are important to both organizations uh, there's a consistent position between the two organizations, and um, and there are issues where having our members, our grassroots members, going and meeting with their members of Congress is actually going to have an impact. You don't want members going up and talking about something that has no chance of passing. Uh, I'm a strong believer that you don't, quote, brief the Congress, unquote. You actually ask for something, and so... Uh, we try to come up with issues where it's reasonable to expect that there will be and could be action um, 
on those issues. So um, things that we'll be looking at is not only the four issues that we, uh, you and I discussed earlier and that the members brought to the Hill this past April, but we'll be looking at new issues and things like national parcel data. Um, there will be an aviation bill in Congress, and so those folks that are involved in aerial acquisition, and I would hasten to add UAVs, which is really the, the buzz as I talk to surveyors across the country. What do we need legislatively to allow the surveying and mapping community to fully utilize UAVs or UAS or drones um, in data acquisition? Um, I mentioned before there will be another FEMA reform bill. So uh, we certainly want to hear from the members if there is something on their mind that uh, Congress uh, should be addressing. Uh, we want to we want to know that. Um, you, on this call, this show, Kurt, you and I have not talked about the future next generation of surveyors and workforce development and how do we attract uh, the younger generation to uh, to enter the surveying profession as a career, and um, that's an important issue. So. There, there's not a shortage of issues, but we need to prioritize and and bring to the Hill, bring to Congress issues that are important to the surveying profession and where we can really um, make some progress on them. So we want to hear from the members as to what's important to them. Just following up a little bit on the Government Affairs Committee, uh, some of our listeners may not be aware that Pat Smith, immediate past president of NSPS from Texas, is now the chair of the Government Affairs Committee, John Matonich from Michigan, had done a fabulous job in in chairing that group for years. He got really busy in some appointments he was uh, that were given to him in the state of Michigan, so he had to drop out. So, just in case some of our listeners don't know that our current chair of that committee is Pat Smith, I wanted to let them know that. And Pat has stepped right in and is building on the foundation that uh, John established. And uh, Pat's a very smart and politically savvy surveyor, and uh, is doing a great job as chairman. We enjoy working with him. In fact, you and Pat were here in our office, um, oh, I guess it was back in September, and spent uh, an entire day uh, going over the priorities uh, of this committee and making sure that our program is being responsive to the needs of NSPS members. Very true. And we would be remiss were we not to mention the fact that we have a political action committee. And although people may not uh, like the sound of those kind of things, they're essential. Maybe you want to talk about that just a bit. Well, a PAC, is a, a PAC or political action committee is an essential part of our great American political process. And I know people are kind of sour on politics these days and uh, maybe to the point of, of cynical or angry, but it is part of the process. And the political action committee is simply a way that individual surveyors can contribute to this committee. And the PAC, in turn, makes contributions to candidates for federal office. Um, and the committee evaluates those candidates based on um, the committees they're on, any leadership positions, um, their position on issues and um, and uh, folks that are in a position to be able to um, help uh, pass legislation that is favorable to the surveying profession. So it is uh, 
strength in numbers. It's a um, combined voice. It's bringing together um, the the voice and the resources of all surveyors. And you know, this does not have to be big money. These could be ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five dollar contributions from surveyors across the country. But um, you know, it's the old Benjamin Franklin line, Kurt, that. We'd all better hang together, or most assuredly, we'll all hang separately. And, uh, the pack is a good way for surveyors to hang together uh, for a positive political outcome. Right, and and we do have a mechanism where people can do that on an ongoing basis. Instead of maybe making a more sizable, uh, we have some folks who do that on a monthly basis with a smaller amount. So we have a couple different ways people can contribute. That's and they can sure. just go to the NSPS web sh- website, and there's a place there to click on with a credit card or to be able to write and send in a check and contribute to the pack. But it's uh, individual personal money. Excuse me. It's not corporate money, um, but it makes a big difference. And it um, it does open doors. It doesn't guarantee the outcome. It's not vote buying. It's not uh, bribery. It's not any of those things. This is the legal, professional, ethical way for people of a like mind, like the surveying profession, to band together uh, and have a voice and have doors open so that their voice can be heard in the halls of Congress. Now, one piece of our team that we mentioned earlier, but we haven't really given it its due, I don't think, is is JB's work. Um, I, I maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. From my perspective, uh, JB just does a, a heck of a job in, in making connections and being involved with other people and keeping his finger on the pulse of what's happening, and uh, I'm very appreciative of, of his efforts. Well, JB, John Bird, on my staff, as I mentioned earlier, is the NSPS registered lobbyist. Uh, he's my government affairs manager uh, in my firm, and um, we we both team up in representing NSPS, Um I do a little bit more of the policy and the strategy. JB is literally every day Congress is in session, and even when it's not in session, he's up on Capitol Hill, he's meeting with members of Congress, he's meeting with their staff, and he is advocating on behalf of NSPS. And he has a tremendous network of of contacts. Um, You'll see almost every week in News and Views there's a photograph of J.B. meeting with a different member of Congress. And um, for for every member of Congress he meets with, he probably has 10 or 20 meetings with the staff. Um, and he's just always up there talking about surveyors and talking about the legislation that's important to the profession. And um, he's a great part of our team and a real asset to NSPS. He certainly is. I, and one of the reasons I mentioned that was I, we, we show JB in, the, in our News and Views newsletter a lot, meeting with people, and the intent of that isn't uh, to say, gee, here's JB with a photograph. It's to indicate just how diligent he is and how hardworking he is on our behalf, and we really appreciate everything that he that he does. Well, you're kind to, to recognize that because he, he definitely deserves it. Well, we've got about three or four minutes left here. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about what's happening next year. We are having a big election coming up. Um, I guess whichever way that goes will have some impact on how things run uh, from a, from the perspective of professionals like ourselves. Uh, we could talk about that, or we could talk a little bit about uh, we. one of the things you mentioned earlier was the underground utilities location. That's always been a big thing with surveyors because we kind of get caught in the middle of 
where are they? And uh, this bill, I think, is intended to help us. So I'll just I'll kind of leave that to you. <laughs> well, I'm going to defer on making political predictions because I, I tell people <laughs> that if I could if I could make those predictions, then I would be much more active on Wall Street and I'd be a much wealthier man than I am. <laughs> And and this time around, that is definitely true. This is the most volatile electorate and the most volatile election season uh, in my lifetime. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, Mrs. Clinton pretty much will uh, will be the Democratic nominee, but uh, she has some legal problems, and who knows what will happen between now and uh, the election in November. And on the Republican side, uh, no one can predict what will happen. And Mr. Trump is the wild card. And, um, you know, a lot of folks who follow politics say he violates every rule uh, in terms of how you run a campaign, um, uh, personality over policy, and uh, style over substance. And I think a lot of people say, well, at some point that's just going to um, wear out and he's going to drop in the polls. Well, people were saying that in July and August and September and October and November, and now we're in December and he's still on the top of the polls. So um, I'm not even going to predict um, what will happen there, but it will not only affect uh, the White House, but uh, you know, politics has coattails, so it could affect the House, the Senate, the state legislatures, um, but it is so difficult to predict. Um, so having said that, uh, let me talk I'll a little bit one, about the... I'll, I'll just add one ahead. quick thing. I think the, the the diversity of candidates has, in my opinion, has helped the discussion because it it's not... People don't see it as set in stone, and, and I, I think it really helps the overall discussion. Well, except the, the level of discussion uh, and the quality of the discussion, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. I'm, well, that, I'm that part is true, I think. <laughs> but you're so, absolutely And I've right. taken all your time. We only have 30 seconds left. So. Okay. Very good. So uh, we, let me just uh, say that, uh, Kurt, thank you for having me. And, uh, again, thank you to you and the NSPS for giving us the, the honor and opportunity to to represent the society and the surveying profession on Capitol Hill. And um, we're here to serve the members. So if anybody has an idea, a thought, uh, a complaint, something that we need to be paying attention to, we really need to hear from the members because this should be, is, and must be a member-driven program. We're here to serve the membership. Very true. And with that, we need to sign off. So, again, thank you so much, John. Thank you, Kurt. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.